Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast, coming to you live from the massive studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Aaron, welcome back to the show, man. I know, I know. It's it's been a little while, but back once again, and and got some really interesting stuff to talk about this evening, and some. Some old friends of the show as well. Why don't you go ahead and introduce? Yeah, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that real quick. Uh, I want to do one little bit of housekeeping. Um, we are into October, which means that uh, it's that time of the year when we will start bugging all you guys for uh, potential donations or just uh, good wishes for the Krispy Kreme challenge. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know what that is, uh, it's this crazy thing that Aaron and I do. We'll we'll put out some more details, but uh, just to give you a heads up, uh, this time of year till next February, uh, we uh, we ask everybody to. Uh, to be generous, and uh, we'll, we'll tell you about it coming up. So just giving you a heads up on that. Uh, anyways, and you need to start running. And you, and you need to start running. And <laughs> Every year I say that. I have to start running about this time. <laughs> that's right. So uh, so let's introduce our guests. Uh, so first off, speaking of running, uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, recent, uh, recent guest and, and good friend of the show, Keith Townsend, who just recently finished the Chicago Marathon. So congratulations on that, and welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me again, guys. And uh, and also joining us, sort of our, you know, for those of you that listened a long, long time ago, our original podcast mentor, longtime friend of the show, uh, host of Speaking in Tech, Greg Nierman. Welcome back to the show, man. Oh, thanks, Brian. But but please, I, I sure hope you didn't learn anything from me on podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> well, we you 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 got us started. You got us addicted to this thing. So we're always uh, forever grateful. You um. You have a, a little bit of a job announcement, or at least a, a job expansion. So why don't you fill us in? You're currently doing some things at HDS, but uh, apparently you are taking on bigger and better things. Yeah, well, my, my role's kind of expanded to uh, where I will, uh, in addition to the things I already do, I'll be, in addition to that, I will be uh, working for Hugh Yoshida, our CTO, wow. and um, doing some things for him. He's been a, a probably overstating it, uh, that, that he's been an idol of mine, but certainly a mentor to me and somebody I've respected in the industry and somebody that's genuinely respected across the industry. Um, definitely, definitely legendary. And, and uh, I'm really fortunate and very lucky to have the opportunity to work for him. Very cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Best of yeah. luck and uh, go, uh, go, go do some big things. So that's exciting. And, and you are, you guys are getting very close to, uh, for anybody who doesn't listen to speaking in tech, which we highly recommend, you guys are getting very close to potentially, uh, replacing and filling some very big shoes. You've been doing this podcast idle. How's all that going? It's going well. Uh, but it looks like a race to the bottom uh, between <laughs> the contestants. So, uh, we're going to put this up to a vote, uh, during election week here in the U S um, to coincide, so that will uh, have heavy weight for Ed and I as we decide who's going to be uh, the next podcast co-host for us. Yeah, exciting stuff. Uh, we're uh, we've got our money on Fred Nix, but but who knows who might win that thing? Um, so, <laughs> so, so, so the problem is is that some there's there's some tapes and, and some uh, recordings of Fred from from ten years ago that are beginning to leak out. <laughs> that he, may cause some disruption in this process. He was the shadowy figure on the Access Hollywood bus, so we we understand. So oh, yeah. that that one un- unidentified voice. <laughs> That's right. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, uh, we we now live in a world where uh, Bob Dylan won a Nobel Peace Prize for uh, being a lyricist, and VMware and Amazon are playing nice together. What in the world happened today? 
topsy turvy, man. Topsy turvy. I mean, what, what you know? So, 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 Keith, you were you were following this today. What? Give us the break us down the basics of of what got announced today. So, you know, I was expecting no more than NXX running in AWS. I was not expecting VMware and AWS to go as far as to say that you can run vSphere bare metal in AWS is basically the gist of it. That from NSX to uh, uh, vSAN to vSphere, the whole product suite will be available in bare metal, kind of a bare metal enclave within the AWS infrastructure worldwide. So, so is this, uh, so yeah, so we, basically I, I think if we, if we boil this down, this was AWS and, and VMware basically creating a partnership where VMware is going to run a managed service, um, sort of essentially managed what used to be the, the vCloud Air uh, cloud service, but now on top of AWS. Greg, what, what does this mean? I mean, what, what, what does this say about VMware? You know what? My head is spinning from this. Um, and I don't even know where to begin. You know, the curious thing, and what popped out to me is if you look at Frank Denneman's blog and, and the VMware announcement, you know, they, they talk about this in terms of a private cloud on AWS infrastructure. If you look at the AWS blog, they don't talk about private or hybrid cloud. They're talking on-premise and AWS, which is not shouldn't be surprising, right? I mean, AWS doesn't doesn't acknowledge that there is any other cloud besides their own. Right. So I think it's maybe I'm parsing things a little too much, but I think the terminology is really interesting in the difference in terminology between the two. You know, but I don't know if this is cloud, though. I mean, this looks more like colo than cloud. Well, Greg, the, I think you're hitting on an interesting point. Well, two, one clarification. It is vCloud Air, and VMware is quick to clarify something to me, that VCD, vCloud Director, is not involved in this. So this is bare VM. This is so when you're talking about your on-premises solution and integration with what's in AWS, this is vSphere talking to vSphere. So that was a interesting omission. But the other thing that I thought, if you watch the video, they did not use the term hybrid cloud at all. They used the term hybrid throughout both uh, AWS and Pat Gelsinger. Both avoided the term cloud when it came to the combination of the two solutions. It was just hybrid, hybrid, hybrid. And even the engineers, when they got up and spoke, they talked about hybrid. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and what's interesting for me, so to kind of even take it back a level, um, what did they kind of do here? Uh, to me, VMware abstracted away pretty much all hardware, right? <laughs> you no longer need to buy any compute, any networking, any storage. They And, of course, they had done that with vCloud Air somewhat before, but it was complementary to, to on-prem stuff typically. But you don't have to anymore. You could kill data centers now if you really want it to because there's probably a confidence level there in AWS that maybe was there maybe wasn't there before because you were dealing with vCloud or some of these other products but if you just want to run straight like you said Keith vSphere to vSphere you could do that and then you could vMotion your machines from on-prem to the cloud and kill the data center um, and and then AWS now suddenly has an on-prem story um, this, you know, for me, this almost like is a marriage of convenience, right? Each, each company had one half of a, and I'm using air quotes here, enterprise hybrid cloud, and it's really expensive to build both pieces. So they got together. 
So I guess the obvious question for me, I was at my day job, you know, I, I work in the enterprise as part of my day thing. And I, you know, I was chatting with the other architects and I told them about this new service and we kind of all just shrugged our shoulders and said, okay, where would we use this? And I guess I'll pose the question to you guys. Where exactly would we use this? When we look at a- AWS from a static workload perspective, that data center, that have those heavy vSphere data center heavy workloads that are too expensive to run in AWS, so we don't, who does this appeal to exactly? Yeah, that was that was the question I sort of had. I mean, I, I, to a certain extent, I look at this and I say, and, and maybe I'm, I'm looking at it too technically, but you know, this is this is almost exactly the the same thing that that vCloud Air provided. It was, uh, you know, the VMware stack uh, on sort of dedicated hardware that was allocated to a specific person. VMware managed some aspect of it. Um, you know, there was a lot of it that you didn't see, and they were trying to attract people to basically move, you know, existing workloads. This isn't cloud native. This isn't rearchitected stuff. This is, you know, uh, this is, you know, take what you have move it to somewhere else. Um, and, and that model, you know, no matter how many times Pat Gelsinger, you know, likes to tell people like that model wasn't successful. It wasn't successful to attract customers to, to, to move to vCloud air. It wasn't successful to attract partners to want to resell this thing that competed against their on, you know, on-premises licenses. It wasn't successful to, you know, it was difficult to, to run. Like I, I, I agree with you, Keith, I don't know what this delivers it at a, at a first glance. And, and, you know, I, I think there's, there's some bigger strategic things involved, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah. So I well, think I, it, go ahead, Greg. I was just gonna say, I, I think VMware sold out completely on this and I, it's, I think this is going to be really interesting because and, and I keep going back to the terminology they're using here. I, and, and if I'm wrong here, Brian and guys, please tell me this does not look like cloud to me. This is moving on-prem infrastructure to a hosted infrastructure. And I, and the, I think there could be some value in that for customers that want to do that. But I think it's a mistake to call it a private cloud or a cloud at all. Yeah, so, it's it's more like a colo model. I mean, you really, you are paying for pipe piping power kind of thing, right? And what's interesting, there's already partners that do this extremely well. I can go, if I wanted this type of hand-holding, I can go to Rackspace. Rackspace has peering agreements with AWS, so I can get extremely low-latency uh, connectivity to AWS. The whole, This whole hosted, paid-for solution managed by some pretty capable folks. So if I really wanted this model where I wanted to get out of managing physical hardware and data centers, I could buy that black box today and have ultra-fast connectivity to AWS. For it to be, from a customer perspective, for it to be interesting to me, you have to you know, tell me how you're going to fix the problem that, that still exists, which is integrating my operations with AWS, you know, so that hybrid, that hybrid infrastructure problem of how do I functionally integrate my vSphere software defined data center with AWS individual services? How do I take NSX and integrate it with AWS's VPC? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And especially if you said, 
that this doesn't include, and I, and I haven't gone through all the details. You said this does not include sort of the, uh, what is it now called? Um, you know, the, the, what, what used to be VCD, the, the sort of cloud management right. layer, is that yeah, included the, or is it, that not it, included? It is not yeah, included. It is not included. They were very specific to say that that level of abstraction or complexity, uh, and I think they're positioning that as a level of complexity now versus a uh, added value, that that layer of complexity is now stripped out. And Keith, to answer your question earlier, like what do you get, why this versus Rackspace? I think, yeah, you hit on the one key there of while there, the, the services may not be like there isn't an NSX to you, you know AWS tie today, there is the ability of, of there is co-location in the data center and the, the services are nearby. So, you know, EC2 is nearby, S3 is nearby. And so I think it's almost like a jumping off point. Um, which is what the AWS angle in all of this is, is they're getting enterprises to get, you know, on-prem resources, then move them into this, this kind of holding pen, if you will, this, this hybrid cloud model or enterprise hybrid cloud, whatever you want to call it. And then from there, potentially jump off over time for some applications. It's and not cloud. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. And well, and, and actually, so I'm going to, I'll ask, I'll ask another question here then of like, okay, why now? Why didn't this happen Two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, and I have a, I have an uh, uh, you know a, a version of this, but I want to hear yours first. Well, for well, me, I it's... think. Go ahead, Go Greg. Ahead. Go ahead, Greg. I was going to say, I, I think it was pretty obvious, right? I mean, Pat Gelsinger basically called out AWS as the enemy years ago, and I think if we look at this realistically, we're we're looking at VMware being very solidly in, in, in the infrastructure side of, of the business and validating that model with their partners and their ecosystem. So there was, there was no way two or three years ago to make the, they couldn't, I don't think they could uh, talk out of the same, you know, both sides of their mouth then. Now I think in the context of, of the Dell EMC relationship or merger acquisition, whatever you want to call it, they're essentially eating their tail now. Because Dell has very clearly doubled down on legacy, and VMware is going around and giving you a path to get off of legacy, but they don't own that infrastructure any longer. So this is this is curious on so many levels, and I, I think this is good for VMware. I think it's bad for Dell infrastructure, and really good for AWS and for customers kind of dipping their toes, enterprise customers dipping their toes in hosting their infrastructure offsite, but it's another cloud. Yeah, if this would have happened three or four years ago when there was even less understanding of cloud and people kind of looked at AWS and they understood it from the virtualized infrastructure perspective, I think this would have been an incredibly successful solution. People would have just it, – it, it was really easy to understand. But I think as organizations start to understand the true value of cloud and have an appreciation for how difficult it is to manage – not only private cloud, but that integration between private cloud and public cloud. I think they're, they're you know, they're looking at this with a raised eyebrow and say, okay, I kind of, you know, set path to say that I'm either going to adopt private cloud or I'm going to stay with my static legacy vSphere 
type of infrastructure and somehow integrate that into public cloud so I have a hybrid infrastructure. But the, my desire to run vSphere inside of or have a vSphere type of operations inside of a public cloud, that desire has passed away. I'm looking more for the integration of the two versus uh, a hosted solution where I can just have that cloud checkbox. Well, Ryan, you know, this doesn't thoughts? solve the problem. This doesn't solve the problem of, of migrating your legacy applications to the cloud. It kind no. of extends the life of legacy applications. I think. Yeah, I think I think VMware bought a few more years, and and AWS has a, needs a way to kind of continue to grow. And now that they're reporting numbers on AWS, they they definitely are getting more of, you know, the the microscope lens looking at them quarter over quarter. And so it's it, it created kind of a win win for for both of them in that <clears> instance. <throat> Brian, what were you going to say earlier? Yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah, I'm a little bit, you know, the more I think about this, the more I think I'm like, Greg, my, uh, you know, the permutations of what all this means. I, I think the the one thing that's jumping out at me and, and Greg's hit on this a couple of times, right? I mean, I, I've worked with AWS a, a number of times. I used to do some stuff with them when I was at Wikibon, like they are incredibly precise. Uh, and, and so them not saying things like hybrid cloud or private cloud, like there is a very, very distinct reason for that. And I think, you know, if you really think about this, um, you know, they, they've been under all sorts of, uh, push from people to say like, well, when are you going to build a, a, you know, a private version of AWS? When are you going to put an appliance on there? And, you know, that was always out there because it was like, well, you're not going to get the VMware stuff to move. The VMware stuff is where it is, or it's only going to run on, you know, VMware and vCloud air. In essence, VMware just said like, oh, don't worry, let me fix that problem for you. I'm going to, I'm going to open a fast lane for, for people that were on-prem, to potentially come to you. And as best I can tell, AWS doesn't have to do anything in this. They're basically just buying advertising right next to all those VMware people that are going like, oh, once I put it into VMware on AWS, then all of a sudden, look, look at all these beautiful AWS ads. They just happen to be called AWS Lambda, AWS Kinesis, AWS cool features that I might want to use someday. And oh, by the way, I'm now really close to them. I don't have to worry about network latency. I don't have to worry about that complex NSX stuff to set up. I'm right next to it. I live right next door to that thing now. Like this thing is brilliant. And and you're right, Aaron. VMware bought themselves a couple of years, but uh, I, th- this is a this is a deal that I, feels very very one sided to me. Well, well, and the other I- thing I would add is is. There's also, a, I think, a bigger threat here that we haven't really talked about either. It's it's not just VMware, Dell, AWS. The, the, I think one of the big reasons this all happened was was this validates Azure and Azure Stack coming next year as a valid threat to both of Bingo. them. Bingo. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. But I, I was just going to hit on that, that this doesn't solve the problem that I want cloud APIs in my data inside of my data center that I operate and control, whether that's a hosted data center or uh, a on-premises data center. The fact that I want to build applications, have object-based storage, have uh, APIs and and, uh, fabric type of or serviceless compute, compute, I don't have those things under my own domain in this solution. Azure Stack you have that you have that in Azure Stack. I can have a box that I can extend a my my application from my on-premises solution to a off-prem solution. It doesn't even have to be a Azure 
or official Azure public data center. I, I just have that ability and, and that new operating model. I think one of the challenges that customers will run into in the VMware and AWS model is that we end up parking static workloads or stagnant work, work, workloads in this where we have this maintenance like this IBM type maintenance that we just can't kill these applications that we we don't want to invest the money to uh, refactor them but the maintenance of uh, the AWS hosting service charges and the VMware licenses are killing me year after year but I'm just stuck yeah you know it's going to be kind of interesting to see this this would be sort of funny is uh, to see Andy Jassy roll out on stage in November at at uh, AWS reinvent and go. Yeah, one of the things that we're uh, we're implementing is uh, the VAAI um, uh, storage APIs and the VASA APIs in EBS, and it's one ha- it's one half the price of what AW- uh, VMware charges on AWS. And go. I'm just going to start picking away at your thing. So let's. Well, let's, and it also it also real quick too it, along the lines too it, it picks away at not just old legacy applications but old legacy hardware. Oh yeah, right. There, you know, there's a lot of hardware refresh, you know, cycles coming up, and then and there always is. Well, guess what? You now have an option of, yeah, I don't want to buy another round of servers for my data center. I'm gonna just move all of those VMs, um, which they've always had. Don't get me wrong, but I don't, I don't think anyone ever took vCloud Air serious. Um, <laughs> no, and and no. so this gives a, you know, this gives a probably a confidence level in the market that probably wasn't there before, and really legitimizes this as a as a new potential option. It so it's disruptive to existing service providers. It's it's disruptive to hardware vendors. It's you know disruptive to Azure. I mean, it, it kind of there's a lot of nuances here. Yeah, it's disruptive to Dell. I mean, I, I I'm just trying to think of the logic. You know, if you're outside of VMware, and maybe outside of EMC. But in that, it, you know, part of that Dell leadership team, what are they thinking? I, I, I don't know what the upside is for Dell here other than to extend some life out of, out of VMware. Well, it, it's interesting, uh, you know, and, and we all like to because we, we've all worked for vendors and we've all done marketing stuff. We all like to look at nuanced things. I, you know, I don't know if any of you guys picked this up. Uh, you know, our, our friend Chad Sakich had a blog post here a few weeks ago where he sort of said, like, yeah, you know, you guys all knew me for being a VMware guy, but I'm, I'm, you know, my world is now bigger. I'm expanding beyond VMware, and 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 it felt very much like Chad was distancing himself from VMware. And we all know that, you know, as as much as Chad uh, does some independent stuff, he he speaks very much from you know the the place of his employer. It it feels like this decision. Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know if Pat was trying to make a statement to Michael Dell about, you know, I don't care about your hardware and I don't care about your Azure relationships, but, but boy, it really feels like, uh, the, the Dell EMC thing is, is very much distancing itself from, from wherever VMware thinks it's going to go. Well, and, and here's another one for you. Um, you know, not just cause this really does kind of, in my mind, kills off vCloud air, but you know, Virtue VirtuStream, remember them? That's a billion dollars. You might as well just light on fire. Um, mm, there's, well, <laughs> I, I would, you know, I, you know what, Aaron? I'll will respectfully disagree with you, and I, okay. I'm probably in this awkward awkward position of defending VirtuStream. But if you look at what VirtuStream is doing, and I'll put my Hitachi hat on, what what we do with Oxia is that they're building application specific, or let's, let's be let's be clear here, SAP. Specific uh, okay, for, okay. for for the cloud, and I, I I think there's there's huge value in providing SAP HANA in a, in a cloud environment. So yeah, I would agree. I, 
No, yeah, yeah, yeah that's fair. I think I that one thing I was thinking that's... in a VMware service provider context, but in an SAP context, absolutely, I agree with you. Well, but but that, VMware service providers as a whole, an entire industry got disrupted because VMware said this is our preferred partner going forward. Yeah, don't forget, though, uh, AWS has been making some pretty good leeway into uh, SAP HANA. They just announced a, a couple of months ago a four terabyte scale up. SAP HANA workload, which was pretty impressive seeing that I don't even think VMware is uh, certified for anything beyond two terabytes yet. So that 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 virtual stream and VMware relationship is got to be strained because if I'm a customer and I have to choose between virtual stream, which is hosted in a different data center and uh, AWS is SAP, which is hosted right next door to my existing vSphere hosted environment, which do I choose? What, what level of service or availability that is virtual stream giving me that I can't get from AWS and AWS allows me to consume uh, SAP licenses by the drink, which I don't know if virtual stream allows. Well, Keith, I would argue that you'd be an absolute fool to host SAP HANA inside of a virtual machine. And I, I, I think it's the Achilles heel that VMware has uh, with, that, with that SAP HANA uh, relationship. I, you know, all the best practices I've read said that should be on bare metal. And you know, it, it's a low latency application. And that's really critically important. And I, I so, don't... So for my uh, VMware sales guy, uh, uh, Greg said that I didn't, <laughs> just as a re- reinforcement to what so, the argument that we've been having. Let me ask you, ask you guys this, though, to, to kind of flip it over to a, a different way, because we hadn't talked about it all that much. We've talked it from a very VMware-centric point of view. What does all of this say about AWS? Because like, I, I, I tend to agree with with Brian and it seems the general consensus of a little bit of like, why did VMware do this? But I'm going to say, why did AWS do this? I mean, I can see an upside and I can see a downside. So I don't, I'm just curious as to your thoughts here. Yeah. Enterprises are not getting AWS. Large enterprises just don't get it. I I don't mind saying that I don't, I'll throw up my hands and I don't know how to integrate, not just the, it's not, and it's not just a technology problem. I don't know how to integrate AWS operations into my, operations it's going to be those satellite applications you know some of it's going to be digital transformation and high value stuff but the data gravity of my data center is going to run in vmware and i don't know how to integrate operationally uh aws into my existing data center and i think aws has seen that resistance in that in those challenges so let me ask you this then, and this is more of a theoretical. Okay, let's say um, a data center moves a bunch of VMs into this. They run for a long period of time. You know, this is an agile. This is steady state legacy applications that you know you put them there and they just run. So then, uh, me as a customer, I have to buy a VMware license for all of that, and I have to pay for AWS. So I'm really double dipping there. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm I, I struggle with. Well, now I'm paying twice when before well, I was paying once. But I guess you have an offset of pay by the drink versus you know capital hardware. But still, I yeah, think go ahead, that's sorry. I think that's the magic here, right? Is is to make this work, the costs have got to align and make sense. And I think if there's any place where this does fall apart, it's going to be on cost. And I I, I think that's what's going. This is going to be particularly challenging when you when you add all that up. 
and you, you think people complain about you know the the, the VMware tax you know they're paying now. Imagine what that is you know when you get the AWS tax on top of it. Yeah. Well, what about but this, AWS gets to say they have revenue on enterprise VMs at that point, and they get to continue to grow their enterprise business. So that's what they get out of it. So if AWS is charging the customer for bare metal resources, so this is this could be an advantage from a customer perspective. All that fancy power management that I don't use in my data center, what if I'm paying for bare metal by the drink and overnight I collapse my entire environment down by 50% and now I'm getting real cost savings from the power management. I'm not just getting the, the power cost savings that VMware tries to promote with power management, but I'm getting tangible cost reduction from my hosted data center provider because I'm using the bare metal resources, that infrastructure, 50% less during down periods, and I'm getting true elastic compute as part of my VMware infrastructure. Yeah. No, I, I think, I mean, I, I think all those are, are, are valid. I think, you know, VMware's, or I'm sorry, AWS has been making those claims for a while. You know, if you, if you get rid of your data centers, you get rid of, you know, licensing costs, power costs, the data center, depreciation, all these sort of things. I, I think the biggest thing for VMware, and, or I'm sorry, for, for AWS, and the reason they did this is they, they now got, you know, so think about, if you think about AWS, like their, their biggest concerns are basically, how do I get Microsoft workloads, how do I get Oracle workloads, or how do I get VMware workloads into my cloud? Because I've, I've got a pretty good uh, capture on developers. Like developers know me, developers like AWS, but but it's that, you know, it's that $400 billion IT thing that they're looking for. And what they did today was they knocked down one of the three major pillars to get uh, VMware to say, you know what, for years we've said AWS is bad. We, we just convinced them to say AWS is good. And that's all they that's needed right. was yep. they just needed that foot in the door to say, okay, uh, when my sales rep goes in there and he's sitting in a room and the VMware admin's there, he can go, hey, you know what? They endorse me now, right? I mean, that's, that's in essence what it was. And it doesn't cost them a thing, right? They're not, they're not trying to sell it. They don't have to manage it. Yeah, and the, uh, yeah, the beauty of it, VMware is going to do all the sales of it. Yeah, and, it, and who knows? <laughs> I mean, who, who knows? They, they may... They may not, you know, VMware may never sell any of this stuff, but it very well may get a whole bunch of VMware admins to go, hey, I should install that plugin, that AWS plugin in my vCenter and start seeing what else is out there. Like, I think that's what this thing was for them. It was, uh, it was, a, big, it was a big marketing opportunity to, to get an endorsement. And if it's real, the, is this is the IP? Because I have to imagine AWS has to do an awful lot of engineering to make this work because their, their, their network, their infrastructure isn't set up for these types of workloads. Can they use it again in, in let's say, a VMware-type friend of me or competitor in, in Nutanix? And a Nutanix Prism runs on a uh, AWS Enclave. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's going to be the next. That's going to be the next shoe that falls. I think, as I think you're going to see uh, Nutanix, kind of similar deal. Well, it, well, and it, just the operations in general. The operations, all of the, all of all of this, blows my mind because, yeah, you, you, everyone knows you know, AWS infrastructure, Google infrastructure. You know, they they kind of operate at scale with automation and APIs. Well, you know, if I put vSphere, NSX, and vSAN in a bucket, the, those terms usually are never their strong points, right? And so, how are you going to just operate and maintain the stuff like there's probably a whole that's probably a good bit of research and development right there too well and, um, and, and if you think about it if, if they can get this right and even if the vmware version of it never happens 
there's still a huge amount of business, just day-to-day business that is managed services and colo. And if they can open that up under, you know, basically, you know, like Amazon, the, the company has no problem getting into any business they think they can make money in, right? I mean, shoot, they, you know, they, they're now trying to get into, you know, building physical grocery stores and people would go like, oh, wait a second, you're, a, you're not a brick and mortar. Like they don't care, right? They're into saying, look, I can make money. So you have this, you know, dwindling uh, hosted and managed services business that, that people can't do individually. But if you could consolidate all that under one person who has, you know, 200 data centers around the world and has this brand, like they may just start picking up Rackspace's old business and they, you know, which was what, $4 billion or $2 billion a year. And they may pick up, you know, a whole bunch of other stuff that's going on like that. That may be the, uh, the thinking of doing this little thing from an engineering perspective that could blossom into a lot of other stuff. Brian, I think you're absolutely right. I think that w- one of the companies that's going to feel the biggest impact from this, if, if there's going to be any near-term impact, it's going to be Rackspace. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, agreed. Rack, Rackspace, possibly SoftLayer. Um, all the big uh, VMware hosting shops. Well, the, I, I think this is a clear loss for Rackspace. This, the, the, remember when uh, they pulled back from OpenStack, they doubled down on hosted vSphere and uh and because that was their big money maker and this this is an affront to that most definitely and it amazes me how vmware can continually make changes to how they operate that is disruptive to their ecosystem partners and let me me be very clear here this whole podcast i'm speaking just for myself i'm not speaking for my company (laughs) (laughs) i i gotta make that real clear but this seems very disruptive to their partner ecosystem it, 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 and it is that's what that's what makes it so curious, right? And it, it, it really feels like you know Dell EMC is eating its tail on so many levels. And I I, I just can't imagine what 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 the Dell leadership is thinking about here about about what's in their long, best long term interest. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. Don't don't they have like a big event coming up here in a couple of weeks or something like that? The Dell guys. Yeah, next week is Dell EMC World. I'll be there, and I'll and and if it, there's a Q and A with Michael Dell, I'll 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 certainly ask him. <laughs> and Greg, I'm sure you'll uh, you'll be able to to pause uh, podcast idle and get Chad to come back on, and he'll get tell you, Greg, Greg, guys, 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 come on now, you're oh, you're, you're overreacting. Oh, you're, uh, hold on a minute. Hold on, guys. You look at the. Big I'm pretty p- sure Chad's not coming back on again, but that's just that's just a guess. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, guys. I think we've uh, I think we've looked at this from from enough angles. I think uh, you know it's still new, and, and we'll see what sort of fleshes out. But uh, appreciate all of you, you know, throwing out some questions, giving us some some ideas and opinions and stuff. Um, where can people find uh, all the good things that you're doing and uh, your your works and your podcasts and all that stuff, Greg? So, uh, as, as I hope most people know, Speaking in Tech is uh, published on the register every Wednesday morning. It's also on the Speaking in Tech website. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Nearman. What about you, Keith? And you can follow me on Twitter, Twitter at CTO Advisor. The blog and the podcast, you can find it on thectoadvisor.com. Excellent. Excellent. Well, listen, uh, Greg, congratulations on the new role. Uh, best of luck in that. Uh, guys, if we don't get a chance to talk to you again before all these holidays come along, uh, best of holidays to you, to you and your family. Aaron, you want to uh, wrap it up for us? Take us home? Yeah, absolutely. So, Keith, Greg, thank you very much for your time this week. And so on behalf of Brian and myself, thank you very much for listening this week. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening.
Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. 